We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace. Now, here's your hosts, Alex Golden and Michael J. Fauci. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace on IndieSportsLegends.com. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and joining me as he does every week is the one and only Michael J. Fauci. Fauci, what's going on, brother? Alex, you know I'm jacked up to talk Pacer basketball right now. It is my favorite day of the week when we get together and. Like I said, even though we're not playing ball right now, there's still a lot to be excited about. And I think you guys are going to enjoy the episode we have for you today. Yeah, so we're going to be posting this on around Wednesday. So it'll, we're recording this Tuesday, going to post Wednesday. Let our last episode with myself and Kent Sterling ride out for a little bit since it was lengthier, about an hour and 40 minutes. Don't want to overwhelm, overwhelm you with too much content. But today, Fachi, tell the listeners what we're going to be talking about. So today, I know school is back in session. Well, Alex and I, we're going to be handing out some grades of our own. We're going to start with grading the point guards of the Pacers. So, uh, you know, I hope you guys don't think we're a little too harsh. I don't think we will be, but at the same point, I don't just throw out A-pluses. That's not my <laughs> grading style. So we're going to go through Malcolm Brogdon, TJ McConnell, and Aaron Holiday today, the pros, the cons, and what we think they need to work on to improve for next year. Yeah, so Fachi, I'll let you start things off here. We're going to start off today in our first segment, breaking down last year's season from T.J. McConnell. Sure. T.J. McConnell, 28 years old, his fifth season. He signed with the Pacers to, you know, kind of late in the game in free agency, a two-year, $7 million deal where, I'm not going to lie, Alex, I didn't expect that much. I mean, yeah. I feel like on the outside, the perception of T.J. McConnell was like, you had like a white scrappy point guard who was undersized, but you knew he was going to work hard, but he had his shortcomings. I'm going to be honest, he exceeded my expectations. I mean, I remember talking in the beginning of the season, we were thinking McConnell probably not going to be, you know, playing too much. Like we'll see him here and there, but definitely Malcolm Brogdon, then Aaron Holiday. Well, you know what? TJ McConnell was, was involved heavily for the Pacers. One of the best things he had going was his availability. Yeah. Only missed two games on the season. His numbers would not blow anyone away. You're talking about 6.5 points per game and a little over five assists per game. I believe it was actually 5.0 on the dot. Uh, that's not really going to impress anyone. 
but you're talking about someone who shot over 51% from the field and was just rock solid. It, it felt like maybe every other game, TJ McConnell was making some kind of impressive pass, like being on his knees on the floor, or he's on his hip and he's, you know, throwing a nice skip pass, or he's finding McDermott or Justin Holiday for a wide open three. I loved what I saw out of TJ McConnell on the year. Uh, like I said before, he wasn't the guy that was ever going to drop 30 for you, but he had a couple double-doubles on the season, and, and I think McConnell showed a lot about just kind of his character and who he is. I mentioned before, our coach's son, well, you heard him all the time really kind of making sure he motivated his teammates. I, I think he was a great mentor for Aaron Holiday on the year, and I thought that was a lot of the, the best stuff that he brought, an infectious attitude and positive mentality towards the team. But there was also a little bit of shortcomings at times. You know, McConnell's inability to hit a three-point shot mm-hmm. was was almost unacceptable. I mean, I looked into it. He attempted 17 threes on the year. He only made five. When you've only made five in 70-plus games, it feels like you only made one three all year because the other four, they're too hard to remember. At this point, I don't even remember him really even taking three-pointers, but I got to say, I mean, that is the kind of thing that kind of almost made him hard to play in the playoffs. I mean, we didn't see McConnell, I believe, in the last two games. I think it was like the final two and a half games of that series against Miami. So if McConnell is going to come back, I think three-point shooting has to be something he works on. I don't think you just become a three-point shooter at this point in the game. So his his $3.5 million expiring deal, it could be packaged um, in a deal, yeah. you know, maybe involving McDermott or so. But for what I expected out of McConnell, he surpassed that. And for my grade, I'm going to give him a B-plus on the season. Yeah, I think that's a fair grade there, Fotch. And, you know, I wrote an article about T.J. McConnell this offseason, whether the Pacers should pick up his team option that he has. I don't know when it expires. I can't remember the dates, but I know it's before the season starts, and they have to make a decision if they want to pick that up. And I said in the article, to give you a synopsis of that, I I basically just said, yes, they should pick it up, but he should not be the second-string point guard heading into next season. I mean, I think that Aaron Holiday is at that point where he's in his third year. He's had... Time to grow as a player. I think they need to give him a little bit more, uh, you know, reins to the offense. Let him let him try to do something a little bit different. But when it comes to McConnell, I was writing down my pros and cons here, um, you know, listening to you talk. And the things that stuck out to me this year about McConnell were his veteran leadership. He increased the pace when he was on the floor. He's very smart with the basketball. Harasses opposing teams' ball handlers for the full 94 feet. He gets others involved, and he's hard-nosed and fearless. So, Excellent mentor. I mean, you said it multiple times. You'd see him put his arm around Aaron Holiday, encouraging him, saying, hey, this is what we need to do better. You know, trying to explain to the big guys, hey, when I missed you, my fault. I was trying to get it to you. I didn't have the right angle. Always trying to explain his, you know, his logic, his thought process. And that's just one thing I loved about him. But when you look at his cons, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Foch. He's not a good three-point shooter, but he's not a good shooter at all, really. I mean, He'll hit some floaters, but he doesn't. But he doesn't really have a great mid-range game either. It's okay, but um, from beyond the three, I mean, his form is awful. It, it, it's just like he doesn't even have the strength to get it there sometimes. And I think in the playoffs, we saw how him being undersized really hurt him. 
you know, Miami was long, and they were really able to affect his game, impact his game, and he struggled mightily in the playoffs. I mean, I, we talked about it after the first game. We're like, well, McConnell's tough nose. You need to play him more. And then when he played more in game two, or when he played in game two, I don't even think he played more. I think he played less that game. He he looked really bad. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, you know, you kind of see what it is there. So I, I think the best way to describe McConnell is a great regular season point guard, backup point guard. He's he's someone that you can rely on. I think that he's somebody, if, even if he's in the third-string role, if you have an injury to Brogdon or Aaron Holiday or both, you have no fear that he's going to come in and play well and bring that energy. But I do think that he is limited in what he can do in the playoffs. So I would say going forward, I love McConnell. I think that the team needs a veteran like him, someone that works hard. I think he'd be great for practices as well because you need those guys that are really good in practice to make you better. And if he can harass people, you know, like he does on in the games on during practice, that's definitely beneficial. So for me, I'm going to give him a, a solid B as well this year, Fudge. You know, the playoffs were really disappointing. And I think not only was he undersized, I think that he missed having another playmaker out there with him in DeMontis Sabonis. Oh, for sure. Having Sabonis would have been just so beneficial. And it, just like you mentioned, great regular season player, it, for sure. I mean, there, there's been some players that we've seen – fall out of the playoff you know rotation specifically with Miami you know you had Kendrick Nunn fall out Myers Leonard and and McConnell was definitely part of that I believe that the final two and a half games he did not see a second of playing time and I just feel like if you're going to bring in a new coach who's going to have you know maybe want to be more three-point oriented he doesn't fit and that's that's the problem but I do think that there's a lot of teams that would love to have TJ McConnell and you know, just when you mentioned in terms of practice, I could see McConnell potentially being a coach one day. Obviously, he's a point guard. Mentioned his dad as a coach. He's a smart player. I just feel like that's someone I could see one day being a coach. But for now, I like what I saw. His contract was very reasonable. Is he coming back? We don't know yet. But like I said, we both graded him a B to a B plus. I feel happy with that. Uh, moving over to our next. I don't know if you want to say uh, student, but we'll label him a point guard because that's what he is, all right? Well, well, before we move on, Fodge, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, we're back. Now, Fachi, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but can you go ahead and uh, let us know what you're getting to for our next uh, next player? Sure. So our next player, a second-year pro I like to call him Little Holiday because there's just so many holidays running around the NBA these days. And we have another holiday in Justin Holiday. But Aaron Holiday, he entered his second year, someone who I've been high on for for you know since the Pacers drafted him. I felt like this was going to be one of the the rare draft picks in the in the recent years that that contributes to the team and I thought Aaron Holiday took a solid step forward this year. Yeah. He appeared in 66 games. He actually started half of those, which I thought was pretty surprising. I think if you asked us before the season, would Aaron Holiday start 33 games? I don't think we would have said yeah. But he finished the season averaging 9.5 points, 3.4 assists. The big thing that jumped off the page for me was the 39.4% from three-point range, which led the Pacers. And I really like that a lot. Aaron Holiday, 39% you know, three-point shooting in a team that, you know, at times, there wasn't enough threes coming. We know that. I believe the Pacers finished last in three points, three pointers attempted per game at 28. 
So you always wanted Aaron Holiday to produce a little bit more. The knock on him was the consistency. I felt like he started the year with a very short leash from Nate McMillan and always had to constantly prove himself. And I feel like he did prove himself. He proved himself to be a vital part of the rotation um, where, you know, he had he had his his flashes at times. He came up really big. I mean, the game winner against Orlando, I believe he had the go-ahead shot against Brooklyn earlier in the season. Um, Despite playing far more minutes, he trimmed down his turnovers and increased his assists. I don't think he's ever going to be a true point guard. I think we're looking at kind of an undersized two guard. He's always going to be like a scoring guard. But I, I liked what I saw in a year two. If you looked at Aaron Holiday this year... You saw someone who got better. You didn't see someone where you went, oh, man, I really just don't know about him. You said, hey, you know, in, in some nights he looked great. I mean, there was a 24-point, 13-assist game, you know, in that game against the Brooklyn Nets where he was huge. I mean, he had his share of really good games. But when you want to look at improvement, it didn't really happen on the, the overall field goal percentage side of things. He moved up about one point. from 40 to 41%. But the three-point percentage, you saw a huge jump from 33.9 to 39.4. I mean, nearly a 7% jump is huge for a player. So I liked what I saw at Aaron Holiday. The one thing I would knock him on is being consistent. We saw at times Aaron Holiday, I mean, he he could have a great game. Say maybe an 18-point, 8-assist game. You're like, oh, wow. And then the next two games, he could shoot like, three of 20 or you know three of 15 i mean something where you're like oh my god um i liked what i saw but like i said he's undersized there's nothing he can do there can he be more consistent will he ever really improve his passing ability to the point where you know that you can count on him for a high level of assist or or setting more people up instead of looking to score i don't really know but in in a from a year one to year two um improvement i'm gonna give him a b yeah that's that's a fair grade i think that i'm gonna go ahead and give my grade now mine was a b as well just a solid b um and i will say this in the in the two years that he's been with the pacers i find it interesting that both memphis and new york have reported to have inquired about trading for him so you know it it shows that other teams are noticing his level of play his level of skill set and they're intrigued to have them on their roster now you know, we we know that the Pacers turned down that Mike Conley deal to to bring Mike Conley here for Aaron Holiday and and whatever other pieces they were going to pair with that. But Aaron Holiday was in the mix and was kind of the main person that the Grizzlies wanted. And then New York, obviously, they didn't have much to offer because they had 15 power forwards, and the Pacers really didn't need another big at this point in in, in the season. So it didn't make a lot of sense to trade him. But I will say this: you know, you brought up a lot of great points for the pros. And I was I was actually surprised by his improved three point shooting, because I remember I felt like he was kind of inconsistent there as well. But with thirty nine percent, I mean it's hard to argue that. So uh, the numbers don't lie. So he did shoot a lot better than I actually remember just from watching him play. But I will say he's you know he's got flashes of a really good score. When when he's called upon, he's shown that he can hit big shots. And you brought up the Orlando game and the Brooklyn game, but I I always go back to that Toronto game going up against Kyle Lowry. 
And it was mm-hmm. him and Miles yeah. Turner in overtime that had four threes combined, and he's out there kind of uh, kind of giving it a little bit to Serge Ibaka after he drilled a three in his face, and Miles Turner yep. quickly grabbed him and said, we don't do that. So, you know, maybe there's some signs of immaturity there, but it, it's just I like somebody that's a little bit excited when they hit a big shot. They're not afraid to Love gloat it. a little bit. It, it just shows, hey, I'm in this moment. I'm enjoying every second of it. But, yeah, so my pros were flashes of a really good score. can get to the basket. That's one thing he did really well this year. He gets to the basket. Now, he doesn't get to the foul line, and he doesn't finish a lot, but he gets to the basket. Uh, played well whatever role he was asked to play this season. You know, you said he started half of the games that he played in. Well, if you would have thought at the beginning of the season he was, you know, going to get a lot of minutes, you'd have been shocked because that first game against Detroit, he was the 11th man off the bench. So he, he wasn't even in the regular rotation. It was T.J. McConnell and Edmund Sumner that got the call first from Nate McMillan. And it was like the Holiday Brothers were just kind of sitting there at the end of the bench until the bench started falling apart. And McMillan looked at those guys and said, all right, come on in. But, yeah, so definitely, definitely, you know, I'm impressed with the way he handled himself playing multiple roles, going from starter to bench player to wing player to point guard to backup point guard to backup wing player. Just really impressed. And he improved on his turnovers this season, like you mentioned, and he improved on his three-point shooting. Now, the cons, you said them all, pretty much what I said. He forces too much sometimes, let's just be Mm -hmm. honest. A little bit too forceful. And I think sometimes when he's having a rough shooting night, he'll try to force something to get himself going. And I thought he played really well in the bubble seeding games. He didn't play well in the playoffs, which was, no. you know, a con for me. He got in foul trouble too much during the playoffs. And unfortunately, he is a little bit undersized. So that's why I'm not, you know, a super big fan of him trying to play the off guard. Because if he's six foot two, six foot one, whatever he is, I think he might be listed at six three, but that's being very generous. Um, he has a six foot seven wingspan. I would love to see him just go out there. And go up against guys that are in the same position. I mean, he doesn't necessarily have to be the playmaker just because he's in that point guard position. But I think it's better for him to not be, you know, paired up with someone so small like McConnell, even though they had really good success with the bench. I just think if he could get some more size to help him guard guys that are more his size, that would benefit him going forward. But I think the future is really bright with him, Foch. Alex, I love the future of... Aaron Holiday, and just one keynote: it's worse than you think. He's listed as six foot. That's so it. You no, know, so you know. Oh he's man, five, ten and a half. He's five, I know that. What NBA was I went, smoking? Went back to, <laughs> I know the NBA went back to to fix it and try and make the height, you know, more true to what you actually are. But come on, this guy's probably sub six foot. Um, I do think though that he can carve out a solid role with the Pacers for years to come and be one of those top guys, you know, either off the bench or you could bring him in in a certain situation. I mean, we don't know what the future is of Oladipo and Jeremy Lamb's going to be hurt for a while. So who knows? I mean, Aaron Holiday, I expect him to take a big step forward from year two to year three. If the three-point percentage can continue like that, I mean, you're going to be coveted, just like you mentioned. The fact that you want to hear that other teams want your players. You want to hear that because it knows that, hey, there's talent here. Mm-hmm. And when the Pacers have not drafted well over the last few years, Aaron Holiday's been one of those guys that we've actually been able to see perform. I mean, there was really no bright signs from Goga last year. There has been no bright signs from TJ Leaf. But no one's going to say that Aaron Holiday you know, was a bust or a miss or anything of the sort. I believe he was like pick 20, and and he's been a good player. So yeah. 
I like what I saw. I think our grade of a B is very fair. I, I would be curious to see if someone would grade him higher than that because there was the inconsistencies, but solid year two for Aaron Holiday. Well, um, I, want, I, I want to ask you this real quick, Foch, before we move on, because I, I'm really intrigued by Aaron, and you mentioned, you said you don't know when Jeremy Lamb will be back. I don't either, but Kawhi Leonard did say that he's heard that the league might come back in February or March, which would mean that that's more than likely that Jeremy Lamb is ready to go for next season, which is a huge blessing for the Pacers because, you know, we thought we might lose, you know, basically a whole entire season from him. Um, with that injury, signing a three-year deal. So that could be beneficial, uh, and that could really help Aaron play in that point guard position. But my, my biggest question here is, I mean, I, there's not really one to compare uh, TJ McConnell with, but when it comes to Aaron Holiday, is there a player you see that he could resemble, uh, you know, in the NBA, having that bench player career where he's not necessarily a starter, comes off the bench and, and can put up numbers? I mean, is there is there a guy that you could see him mirroring their their NBA career? That's that's really tough. That's really tough. At the moment right now, I'm not sure exactly who comes to mind. If you gave me if you gave me a few minutes, I feel like by the end of the episode I could, but off the bat rather than keep the listeners waiting, is there someone that comes to mind for you? There's a couple. I mean, I don't want to like because Lou Williams is a little bit bigger. I don't want to say Lou because Lou's just a fascinating scorer, but he's really bad on defense. So it's not like that's a great comparison, but maybe like a poor man's Lou Williams. Um, another person that kind of comes to mind that was a decent scorer, but he kind of had some slip-ups. I mean, he was really good at one point in his career and then kind of fell back. It's a former pacer. But Ty Lawson, I mean, that's kind of someone that he reminds me of a little bit when, when Ty was good. Not when Ty was on the pacers, but when Ty was actually good. So, I mean, there's there's definitely things that I like about him. I would probably have to do more research on, on guards that I think could be more comparable to Aaron's play set and skill set. I mean, for crying out loud, I thought he was 6'3", so obviously I'm going to do more research. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just I just try to think of guards off the bench. Like, I don't think he's Isaiah Thomas level because, no. you know, Isaiah was way shorter and had no defensive presence and was way a lot shorter, better Way shorter, but a great – yeah, a lot better offensively. Ty Lawson's super fast with the ball in his hand. I mean, he had some really good years where he was averaging like nine assists per game. Um, obviously, once he came to the Pacers, that wasn't quite the case. Um, but, you know, I- I'll definitely be uh, digging up some former bench players and seeing what we can get. But regardless, I am not discouraged of what I saw of Aaron Holiday carving out a real solid role with the Pacers last year. No, and I think someone that we just saw in the playoff series that he could be similar to was Kendrick Nunn. I mean, game four, Kendrick Nunn came in there and played really well after not playing for how many games. And, I mean, he had a really good season this year. I know that the playoffs have changed things, but if you look at Kendrick Nunn's regular season, he was really special. I think that Aaron could be someone like that if we're trying to get a little little bit more down to that same level. But, like I said, we'll still have to do some more research. Maybe we can come back next episode next week and 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 touch that topic again but um before we go Fachi, go ahead and let people know about my bookie pacer nation what is going on mike Fachi here and while the pacer season may be done winning season returns at my bookie winning season means doubling your first deposit winning season means survivor super contests and squares at my bookie winning season means hitting all your parlays and your props with your feet up, counting this money. Rejoice, because it's time to celebrate the NFL season, which is nearly upon us. 
Invest in your intuition. Use promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. Yes, I said up to $1,000 in free play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting for you at my bookie with a chance to win big. I'm talking, it's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect that cash, and you're going to use promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins, no, 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 not next week, not tomorrow, but today, only at my bookie. And OVERTIME is going all in for our listeners. We're giving away $500 cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. And when you make your deposit, take a screenshot of your MyBookie account and email it over to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. That's C-A-S-T dot com. $500 will be given away at the end of September. So why would you want to place a bet with anyone other than MyBookie? And at the end of the day, let's go Pacers. Alrighty, everybody, we are back to talk about the president, Malcolm Brogdon, who just hosted a Radiothon last week. Excellent job by him and all the Pacer players and Pacers media that was involved in that. Absolutely loved it. And I want to thank 107.5 and 1070 The Fan for putting that on. Got some really good quotes there, Fachi. But Malcolm Brogdon, I want to get your thoughts on, on him and what, you, what your expectations are for him going forward and what you thought of his overall play this season. Man, Malcolm Brogdon, I mean, when the Pacers were able to complete that sign-and-trade for Brogdon, one, we had the sense of relief that we were not bringing in Ricky Rubio, so that was great. And then, two, Brogdon. We were, we, every single Pacer fan was ecstatic. Actually, to quote Kevin Pritchard, he said, this is one of the best days in the franchise's history. Quickly deemed, is this the biggest acquisition uh, in Pacers history? Because, obviously, we signed David West. Brogdon, it was a sign-and-trade, so not quite just a free agent signing, but it was a big move for the Pacers. And Brogdon, you know, he had career highs in points, rebounds, and assists. Um, So there was a lot of positives. He even stepped his play up in the playoffs, was a great leader for the Pacers. Um, He's also the vice president of uh, the Players Association, I believe it is. But there was a little bit of ups and downs. I'm not going to lie, expectations for Brogdon, maybe they were a little too big. But through the first two months of the season, this man was an all-star. And people were talking. I mean, Brogdon was like second in the league behind just LeBron James and assists for, I feel like, at least the first month. Um, There was times where, you know, everyone was saying, this man is going to be an all-star. But the injuries set in. There was about seven different injuries Luckily, none of them were, you know, catastrophic or detrimental enough to to take him out for an extended period of time. But it just felt like there was, you know, there was the finger injury. I think he had a knee injury. There was a there was a, a quad injury that the actual proper term um, for it was uh, a little strange. Actually, the rectus femoris. Uh, that was a muscle I didn't know existed until Brogdon tweaked it because or tore. Tore it because everything was going wrong for him. The man caught COVID. Um, pretty much everything was going wrong at times. 
and that broke up what really could have been a very promising season for Malcolm Brogdon. Now diving into it through 16 games, he was averaging 19.5 points and 7.9 assists. Everybody in the league will take that. His usage rate increased from 20% to over 25%. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, maybe it was the injuries, Alex, his shooting percentages were way down. This was a guy advertised as a 50, 40, 90 game. That's like a like a Steph Curry type situation. So we weren't expecting that. But the three-point shooting really, really drifted down this year to right around 32%. I'm going to say it probably had to do with injuries. So overall, I think my expectations were a little too high. But before I give my grade, just to show how valuable Brogdon was to this team, Brogdon played in 54 games. The Pacers were 34-20. and 20. That's a 63% winning percentage. In the games that he missed, they were 11-8. and eight. Make no mistake about it, Malcolm Brogdon is a huge piece of this team moving forward. Had the game winner against the Lakers, which was one of the highlights of the season. Yeah. But due to a little bit, you know, up and down due to the injuries, I'm going to give him a B. Yeah, that's that's a fair grade, Fachi, and I don't know if you just saw this or not, but breaking news from Adrian Wojnarowski, Billy Donovan has agreed to become the Indiana Pacers arch-rival Chicago Bulls head coach. Wow, I did not see that. A guy who was supposed to be interviewing for the Pacers job. Interesting to see him snatched up, but at the same point, one less team looking for a head coach. And I think Chicago makes the perfect sense, and if I am not mistaken, I think I actually said that. I think Billy Donovan and Chicago make a ton of sense on yesterday's podcast. So it feels good to be validated, Foch. Feels good to be validated. But uh, back back to Malcolm Brogdon. No, I, I totally agree with a lot of the points you said, and I'll just go through and read my pros and cons real quick. So my pros for Malcolm Brogdon, incredible leader, poised, Great pick-and-roll chemistry with Domas. Amazing Game 3 versus Miami, which I think is a sign of things we could see with the right roster. And then most of the time, he guarded the opponent's best player throughout the season. And I think he really was solid in that role. But I will say cons, it was you know injuries, injuries, injuries. I put it three times. It's just, it was, poor guy got something every other week, it felt like. It, it, it just really took away from his you know, chemistry with the team in a sense of being able to have that consistency, especially when Vic came back. So they really didn't have a great time to gel and they tried to kind of figure things out during the seeding games, but that was just too small of a sample size. And I think with more games and more times, they could be something better. But uh, yeah, I, I think that Malcolm struggles at pushing the pace. I don't think he's someone that really gets out and runs, and that could be something he can improve on. I, I think that he doesn't get to the foul line enough for his size. Six foot six, 230 pounds. I've harped on it all year long. I want to see him get to the free throw line. You mentioned it, 50, 40, 90 last year. He's that good of a free throw shooter. Figure out a way to get to the free throw line. Um, I think that you know a bigger volume in ball handling and shots made him less efficient this season. So maybe you could find opportunities for him not to be so heavily involved with dribbling the ball for 30 seconds during a possession. And then I would say my last con for him was struggled with smaller and twitchy guards like the Kimball Walkers, like the Devontae Grahams, like guys that Trey Young, you know, that were able just to get by him. And I and I mean that's nothing against him. I just think when you're six foot six, two thirty, trying to guard a six foot one, six foot two guy with, you know, super, you know, twitchy speed, 
that's going to that's going to be hard to guard for anybody. But I mean, especially a guy that's, you know, not super quick on his feet. He's smart and he can use his length to his advantage. But I mean, at times, length is only uh, only goes so far when you have that uh, that speed to get by somebody. So I agree with you. I've been kind of solid all across the board. I think I've given bees out for everybody, haven't I? I believe so. Yeah, three Bs. Yeah, I mean, if, if Brogdon had played more games, then I'd probably give him a B plus or an A minus. I mean, his leadership is just so great. I just he was just not on the floor enough for me to give him more than a B. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be consistent here and give him a B. Hey, you know that works. I don't think that these grades are too critical for anybody because expectations were high for Brogdon. I mean, you don't just deem the man one of the biggest acquisitions you know in team history. For him to, you know, come out there and give you a B performance. We wanted an A performance. We were thinking all-star, if not fringe all-star. Uh, for the first two two months, we mentioned, yeah, he was. But you don't decide all-stars off of October and November or even just November and December. You know, a little bit of October sprinkled in there. But at the same point, the guy led us in points per game and assists in the playoffs. But just, eh, man, so many of these Pacer players, there's just an incomplete grade yet because due to the injuries. So I love all the intangibles that Brogdon brings to the team. When you see the record with Brogdon against without him, I mean, it's a no-brainer of that. This is a really good basketball player. I think we've talked about it on the show that his three-point percentage is likely down due to not having the ball in his hands so much and having Giannis be able to draw those double teams. It was harder this year. He, He worked for it, but... Like we talked about, the guy set career highs across the board. So, you know, you're not really going to com- complain about a B. Maybe that's just my mentality because I wasn't an A student. So I love me a B. But at the same point, you know, it just feels like Brogdon is going to be motivated to come back healthy next year and, uh, you know, be a first-time All-Star. And I think he can. No, he really can. But it's just going to be tough in that Eastern Conference because it's not getting any easier. Kevin Durant's coming back. Kyrie Irving's going to be fully healthy. So there's not going to be many opportunities. And honestly, you you look at the playoffs right now, Foch, and you see the teams involved. And, and yes, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, we're both all-stars this year. But if you look at them overall, you don't think of them as having a guy that's like a top 15 player. I mean, Jimmy Butler might be considered a top 15 player, but we talked about it a little bit with my podcast with Kent. I mean, he averaged, you know, 11 shot attempts, and I think he was like, you know, the one with the least amount of field goal attempts in the, mm-hmm. in the game in the game three loss to Boston. And it's like, you know, I, I feel like this team, this Pacers team, could benefit from being well-balanced. We, we know that they're not attractive, like an attractive market to go out there and get top 15 players. So, you know, if you can get guys that are like top 25, top 30, and really like build around like four or five top 30 guys, that would be awesome. So, I mean, Brogdon to me is a very special player. He's got to stay healthy. And if he can stay healthy and develop chemistry and be that leader on the court, we know there's going to be roster moves this offseason. We'll be completely stunned if this roster comes back the same way it was structured last year. So I think really when it comes down to it, Brogdon has to be that, that leader on and off the floor once again, but he's got to change his game a little bit. I think that based on the coaching hire, I mean, if it is D'Antoni, whoever it is, I'm just going to go with D'Antoni for now. If we want to play that modern style of offense, 
Brogdon has to be able to push the ball more. I mean, if has not, to. if not, that's why you're going to see Victor Ladipo running the running the offense a little bit more, and that's kind of worrisome considering how bad he was handling the ball during the playoffs. So Brogdon has got to figure out how he can adjust his game to play a little bit faster pace. Maybe it was just because that's how McMillan coached things. So I'm not giving him a fair shot, but what I've seen from him is he has been more efficient playing off ball and with the ball in his hands more, we've seen a little bit of inconsistencies and we've seen a slower pace. And that's not something I really want to see from this Pacers team going forward. We don't want to see a slow pace on setting the pace because we know Brogdon can pick up the pace. And that, um, just as you mentioned before, I'm going to point that finger more at Nate than I am at Brogdon. I think the best of Brogdon is yet to come. There was a lot of positives in this season that he just showed us. And I just think that if all the little ticky-tack injuries, that I think it was seven or eight, they all added up. I'm convinced that that, that finger injury that he had was messing with his shot at least a little bit. Because That's fair. there was times where, where Brogdon was – he did not look like a good shooter. And in the past, Brogdon was a great shooter. So I think that – we're going to be fine there. It's not like any of his mechanics are, are broken or anything of the sort. I think he was just, you know, hassled by injuries all year. Um, so I liked what I saw. I do. I give him the B because I know he's capable of more. That's that's true. And I think that this was a great first year for him. Very solid. Mm-hmm. The Pacers had a really good record, you know, without Oladipo. And Brogdon was a main part of that. And I think one of the things with Brogdon is he allows this team to – you know, be versatile because you saw Aaron Holiday play with him, but it allowed it allowed the Pacers to do that because Brogdon's big enough where he can play two guard. So you don't necessarily have to slot him in. I mean, he can even slide into the three because of his size. So I think that he is a very versatile player, and this and this team definitely needs versatility. So that's why I really like him. He probably he, that's a, might be a bit of a stretch, but between him and Vic, he might be the most versatile player on this team. Be, the based on how many roles I think he could play. So it's just, I'm, I'm intrigued by Malcolm Brogdon. We were really excited about him coming here last year. We thought that the Pacers did a great job going out and getting him trading for him. That way they didn't have to wait until a restriction, uh, restricted free agency was over. So they could go out and get the Jeremy lambs and, and make the, and make the moves they made. So, I mean, really, I think last year's off season was a slam dunk for Kevin Pritchard with what he had to deal with. I mean, you don't want to lose Bojan, and all those all those fun players we had, but you went out and got T.J. Warren for nothing. You went out and signed Jeremy Lamb to a good deal. You got Justin Holiday and, and T.J. McConnell on really good deals, and then you hit the you know the icing on the cake with with Malcolm Brogdon and, and the Pacers. We did that point guard chronicles Fachi for a reason. Getting a true point guard for this team going forward was pivotal, and I think the Pacers found that in Malcolm Brogdon. I think they did, and if you need any further evidence, look at how the Bucks struggled in the second round series. Eric Bledsoe looked like a fraud, and the fact that they elected to pay him over Brogdon is, is going to be something that I think people look back on when Brogdon makes his first All-Star appearance as a Pacer, and they're going to say, that's where Milwaukee let Giannis down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could have easily tried to trade Bledsoe. I'm sure there would have been a suitor out there for him. And, and then because I think they realized last year, like, Bledsoe wasn't the answer. As good as Bledsoe was in the regular season, and he was good again this year, I just don't trust Bledsoe. And, yeah. he, no, unfortunately, like, Brooke Lopez is a fine player, but it took them forever to get Brooke Lopez on the block. I mean, when Giannis went out, I thought they would give the ball to Brooke Lopez more in the paint going up against Bam. I mean, as good of a defender as Bam is, Brooke Lopez is like, 
you know, good 30 pounds heavier than him. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he's got a couple inches on him as well. I really thought Brooke could have gotten some more looks in the paint because what do we know Brooke Lopez as? I mean, before he became a three-point shooter, he was really dominant back to the basket player in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. So I was just I was just dumbfounded by that. But this isn't a Milwaukee Bucks podcast. I'm sorry, I'm getting off track nope. here. But nope. but I, I do love Brogdon. We saw how the Bucks missed him. The Pacers, you know, made the Bucks worse by by bringing Brogdon here, which is a you know a sign that that's a good thing. And mm-hmm. if Giannis does indeed leave the Bucks after next season for a team like Miami or Toronto, someone that you already are going to pencil in to make the playoffs. It just makes the Bucks that much worse, which means that it's easier for the Pacers to make the playoffs. So, really, this signing did more for just the Pacers. It helped the Eastern Conference. No, that is true. That is true. Anytime you can make us better and then make one of your, you know, obviously division rivals, but let alone a powerhouse in the East, worse, then yeah, the old two-for-one special is a special that I like every day. Absolutely. Well, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and close out the show with... The worst fake trades we've seen for the Pacers this offseason. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, we're here to discuss the worst fake trades we've seen on social media, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, Fachi. We've been starting there with you first for all these segments, so let's keep that tradition going for today's show. What is the worst fake trade you've seen so far? All right, so our horrible trade of the week comes from Fadeaway World. Uh, Nico Martinez, I'm going to give you a shout-out because this one was just something. All right, (laughs) so in this deal, the Indiana Pacers receive Russell Westbrook and Robert Covington, and the Pacers are going to send out Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, Jeremy Lamb, and a 2021 first-round pick. So, look. This deal summed up by saying that the Pacers would be, quote, the perfect team to take on Westbrook's remaining three years, $131.5 million contract. Uh, no thank you. I want no part of Westbrook making about $44 million per year. Uh, you could see that despite him making an all-NBA team, his athleticism has gone down. He, yeah. he he doesn't even shoot threes anymore, period. I think he's just given up on it. Uh, I think that the next few years are going to be pretty ugly, and the man was at times a ghost in the playoffs, even citing himself as, quote, just sort of running around out there uh, in a really bad Game 2 performance against the Lakers. So I want no part of that deal. I mean, you're telling me that the Pacers are going to risk it all to bring in Russell Westbrook to then once again play with Oladipo. Oladipo is someone who already played with Westbrook and was not having a good year over there in OKC to the point where we saw his game really blossom after that. I don't want to see those two tag up again, let alone if Oladipo leaves for us to be stuck with that Russell Westbrook contract and no other pieces at all. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't get rid of Malcolm Brogdon this year. There's no way the Pacers are doing that. We, we've talked about, you know, you could possibly move Jeremy Lamb and Miles Turner, but for what, Russell Westbrook? That's a lot of money to invest in a guy. A lot. That, that can be a bit of a, of a locker room problem. And nothing against Westbrook. I mean, I actually really enjoyed watching him play with Durant. And 
it was just I would love the explosion to the basket, but he's lost some of that. He's gotten injury mm-hmm. prone, and we, we've seen he's had a had a real tough time in the playoffs. So I just look, you know, you mentioned it with with Sabonis and Oladipo playing with him before there is that you know chemistry of some sort. But at the same time, those two players flourished whenever they left that system and left playing around Russell Westbrook. I don't think Westbrook could come here and, and just be that guy. So, you know, the name's intriguing. Three years left, you might think, well, they're not going to trade him, so he's going to be here for three years. So, you know, you're going to have a, a, a star-studded name attached to your team. But it's like the best player to me in that deal is Robert Covington. I think he'd be really a nice fit for this Pacers team, but I don't think you want to take back Westbrook's contract with it. If you could do maybe like a minor deal and, and get Covington somehow, that'd be awesome. But yeah, I just, I don't understand this at all. It's it's kind of shocking to me that somebody thought that the Pacers would trade four or five players and a protected lottery pick for uh, a declining Russell Westbrook with a huge salary attached to it. That just doesn't make any sense. No, I thought the same thing that you did when I looked at it, I went, Ooh, Robert Covington. But it's like not at the price of having to take on Russell Westbrook. So if Houston wants to make a little side deal uh, for Covington, yeah, our phone lines are open. But if you're going to be offering us Westbrook for for that kind of haul, count me out. Oh, yeah, for sure. So that trade was pretty bad. But, Fachi, I think I got one that trumps that. It's uh, It's been flying around on our Instagram page. With uh, If you follow us on Instagram, we're at Pacers Talk. If you're not, go over and do that right away. Stop what you're doing. Put this on pause. And go follow us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. But unfortunately, I've been seeing a trade idea just constantly in the top of our feed. And it's not even a promotion. So this account that we must follow must be posting this trade every single day because I think it's something great. But literally the trade is Miles Turner and Jeremy Lamb to Minnesota for Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but like, oh I love Carl Anthony Towns, but there's no way. There's no way that Minnesota would trade Carl Anthony Towns for Miles Turner and Jeremy Lamb together. I mean, you probably There's have no shot. You would probably have to trade Turner, Oladipo, and a few picks to even get them to move off of that. That is their franchise player. They just traded a, two first-round picks for D'Angelo Russell to pair up with them. They're not going anywhere with Carl Anthony Towns. The only way Towns gets moved is if he demands a trade. And that ain't happening right now. So he's got his buddy there, and they've got a young core. And, and to be honest with you, it's just like, sure, the salaries might match up, but people think about the trade you're making. That doesn't make any sense for Minnesota. Sure, Pacer fans and the Pacers would hugely and gladly benefit off of that, but that is just idiotic. That's never going to happen. Never. There's no way. I mean, look, we love we, – look, we very much value Miles Turner on the Pacers – but to think that Minnesota is willing to just kick their franchise cornerstone to the curb for Miles Turner and unfortunately an injured Jeremy Lamb is is nothing short of comical. I mean, come on, guys. There there's about twenty other guys that you could name before that I'd still say, that's not happening. Like, this is Carl Anthony Towns here. Arguably what he's probably gonna go down as the best big shoot like the best shooting big man of all time. What he's doing, he's shooting around 40% from three. And that's just one of the many things that he's doing well. So to think that they're just going to kick him to the curb for, for that package is just ridiculous. People, spend your time a little bit more wisely and maybe create some trades or, like Alex said, don't waste your time creating these graphics. I mean, <laughs> for some of these deals, it's not worth the time you're putting in. 
No, it's not. It's it's silly. I was laughing when I saw that graphic. I'm like, what a waste of a graphic. I mean, for crying out loud, it's just like we 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 enjoy fake trades. We've had a whole entire episode dedicated to it, but we try to make them make it at least a little bit of sense. You know, it's not like we're sitting out there saying, well, we could trade Miles Turner and TJ Leaf, you know, for Anthony Davis. It's just like, come on, people, think about what your what your ideas you're coming up with. It's like. Uh, I think the Houston trade could make a little bit more sense just because of all the players involved, but it's just like still, none of them make you know even close to to good enough sense to really validate you know working on something like that. So that is our fake trades of the week. Maybe we'll come back and and next week and have some more for you. But just a reminder once again, Billy Donovan is hired by the Chicago Bulls, so the Pacers and Billy Donovan will not be paired up together, but they will be seeing a lot of Billy D as he joins his Central Division foe. Fachi, any other final words before we head off? Let's go Pacers. <laughs> All right, everybody, you can check us out on Setting the Pace at uh, Setting the Pace 3 on Twitter. He's at underscore F-A-C-C-I, and I'm at Alex Golden NBA, and we'll talk to you all next week. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.